yeah, I was thinking last night, I was like, oh, if I could just fit back into that dress, I would accept my body the way oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> what a convenient, I have to say, so I, I've had clients, um, especially when I was a personal trainer, and they would tell me like, oh yeah, I'll do this, but like, or I'll start, but I gotta just want to get off like 10 pounds first because like I'm just too uncomfortable and I get the logic right the logic is just take away some of this discomfort so I can function it's no different than when you're having any extreme symptom and you're like just give me the drug so I can just get some of this symptom suppressed so that I can function right and it has value don't get me wrong but the problem in the weight loss world and this this taking off some of the the pain the discomfort is that we need that we need you in that place to make these kinds of changes. So when you back off with, okay, I'm just going to do keto for like two weeks, just get like, you know, however many pounds off and then I'll start like working on my relationship with my body, which I know it feels like that makes sense, but it's completely unproductive because we need to, we need that. We, I need you to not escape that emotion. I need you to bring on that emotion full force. So if you, uh, if you back off that feeling, the frustration, the overwhelm, the disgust, the discomfort, all of those emotions are not just from today. It's years and years and years of building up. So the minute you do keto or HCG or whatever, to just take off a few pounds so you don't feel so uncomfortable, now we've lost the emotions that we're trying to deal with. Welcome, welcome to Binge On This, the podcast you can safely binge to lose weight. This is your host, Michelle Hasty Thompson, and I am so excited to have you here. So thank you so much for showing up and tuning in. This podcast is inspired by you, and there's nothing more important to me than you walking away with permission to be more of yourself, including having your ideal body. Today, we're going to be meeting with Christina. And one of the things we talked about with Christina is how a masculine approach to weight and food does not work long term and what a feminine approach to weight loss even is. And she really was able to see how that is the way she needs to approach this whole weight and food thing. Some other things we discussed was why it can be difficult to sit down and enjoy food and what to do about that, plus how her childhood eating strategies influence her adult beliefs about weight and food. And lastly, because she has young kids, we talked about ways to create an environment for kids that decrease issues with body image and disordered eating behaviors because she does not want to pass on these strategies and beliefs and patterns to her own children. So let's dive in. So one of the things that you wrote in here is that um, when I asked what's the single biggest hurdle right now, you said it's the way that you view yourself and food. So I'd love to start there. You wouldn't mind sharing a bit about what that means for you. So um, what that means, and I, I was just cleaning out my closet and I was looking at all my small clothes and I was saying, geez, even when I was wearing these small clothes, I was telling myself, you're fat, you're ugly, you can never be healthy, um, just beating myself up. I think you related that exact experience of the clothes that you had before when you thought you were too big and you look back and you're like, man, if I could be that size again. Yes. And then um, I also do the Center for Mind Body groups. Uh, we facilitate them and there's a section on nutrition and mindful eating. And when it's my turn to do it, I go, you know, I can't do this. I'm not living this and I can't do it. I feel like a hypocrite trying to teach something I don't have, you know. 
And the recently when we were doing the group, um, we had to draw our relationship with food, you know, so we get into a meditative state and then we draw our relationship with food. I couldn't come up with a picture, but I did come up with some words <clears throat> and I brought it with me just to show you that it says, I hate you. And it says, um, I remember, and then when I wrote that, I was remembering my childhood surrounding food and the things that I learned. <clears throat> and then I wrote that I'm going to get help so that I can have a healthy heart, <clears throat> a healthy brain, and a healthy body. Sorry if I get emotional. No, it's totally, don't apologize. It's one part of the process and two totally normal. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's necessary. Um, you're t remember, we're talking about lightening up right? Releasing. And so releasing is in every sense of the word. It, and I, in, in the, let's see, 12 years I've been doing this now, I don't know anybody that can release the pounds without, re without releasing all the stuff surrounding it, right? Internally. So that includes emotions, emotional releases, things like that. Um, but also this topic is so charged, right? Not just your personal life. I'm talking about culturally, collectively. This is something that has a lot of sensitivity about it and a lot of judgment about it and a lot of uh, supposed truths that are concrete that get changed every day. Uh, so there's just so much surrounding it. So it's completely normal to have emotional responses to these types of very loaded topics. Also, it's been a battle, right? I don't know if I asked on here, but how long have you been battling this? Um, the last five years. That's a long time, right? Yeah. That's a long time to fight a fight, right? So that's a lot of times that emotion comes from just the overwhelm of like, I'm so tired of fight, like I'm exhausted from fighting this, you know, and, and many people can talk about fighting it even longer than five years and just being like, this is not, I'm, I'm emotionally drained and exhausted. So all normal. So yeah. going back to that relationship with food, um, you wrote, I, the first thing, was it, I hate it or I hate you? What did it say? It on says, I hate you. I, I hate you. Okay. Um, and that was referring to your relationship with food. That was what the prompt was. Yeah. Okay. And so when you think about hating that relationship with food, what is it that comes up as what you hate about it? Um, like, was that a, I hate you food or was that, I hate the way. I hate the relationship and the relationship is, um the only thing that i know so growing up my mom was kind of she was addicted to drugs so she wasn't really there and so her way of feeding us would be to buy us a big bucket of kfc and biscuits and like have that last as many days as it could and that and just boxes of little debbie's snacks and um you know my son's five years old and i I'm totally different with the way I feed him. I'm learning every day different things that I never knew. Sure. And so, um, and the other things was like on my dad's side of the family, food was like love. So like the more you eat, eat more, eat more, eat more. And it wasn't healthy food. It's all just processed stuff, you know? And that's all I know. It's like, you know, those seasoning packets, my mom was always buying, um, hamburger helper mm -hmm. yeah stuff like that it's just like <laughs> yeah no yeah well, and by the way there's no shame in that like for one uh, not everybody knows how to cook and like so that's why those things were created so people could cook something at home and not have to buy out 
um, they're not obviously the highest quality, but there's no shame or judgment on surviving off those things for any parent uh, at all. Like we have, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, and I don't come from the world of, um, you know, perfect nutrition where I, I boast that everybody should be eating all organic, all high quality. I don't think that's necessarily everyone's practical way of living. We have to do the best we can with what we have. Um, and so like, you know, your parents did the best they could. The food of lo- the food is love thing is like, I mean, I can even feel knowing everything I know when my son is upset. It's so hard not to be like, here's a cookie because you know instantly that he's going to like be fine, right? Like, perfect. Thank you. I feel so great now. Like, it's hard to resist that with somebody else, let alone yourself, where you're like, I'm feeling whatever, eat a cookie, right? That's just a natural place to go to feel better. Yeah. So that's a common, obviously, uh, it could be uh, reward-driven eating, uh, where we're not necessarily, I mean, I gave the example of emotional eating, like eating to suppress an emotion or to, to alter our state, but there's also, you did a great job, here's a cookie, here's your favorite meal, here's whatever. And I don't necessarily think any of those are bad. Emotional eating is normal. We all do it. It's just a matter of um, your relationship with it, your perception of it. So if you view it as bad, right? If you were at your goal weight and you never had a fear of weight gain, it'd be no big deal if you emotionally ate, right? There wouldn't be fear around it. Like, I don't know. I'm just skinny. Who cares? I don't gain weight. No, no, who cares if I eat ice cream when I'm sad, right? No big deal. Yeah. The weight comes from, not your weight, but the weight of the activity comes from, I shouldn't be doing this because I'm trying to lose weight. This is not socially acceptable. People would tell me that I'm not controlled enough. Like that's where all that spirals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of the relationship with food, are there things that you've tried to, I hate to say the word heal, but like, you know, work with that relationship with food to make it better? Um, not really. I mean, the only thing I've, I don't know how to make the relationship with food better. And that's what I'm trying to learn. Um, I've tried diets to lose weight, but I've never tried like, a love relationship with food yeah like I love you I'm here to nourish you um things like that I haven't I don't know how to do that yet do you enjoy eating (laughs) so I was just like asking myself a bunch of questions before this interview and I was like how am I present in my body when I eat I don't think I am and so I'm gonna practice that but I was like am I present in my body? And I just think I'm just going through motions. Like when it's time to eat with my kid, I'm sitting there eating, but I'm thinking about everything that needs to be done and what's coming up and a million things. I'm like, I need to practice. There's a couple things I'll say about that. One, it's, I'm reading a really good book right now about, um, it's actually on a relationship with, with sexuality, but it says that it's talking about like, why would you crave sex if it was a negative experience? Doesn't make sense, right? Like, why would you then want to be present? Why would you want it if your experience of it is negative? It's the same thing here. Why would you want to be present eating if your perception of eating is it causes me to be fat or it causes me to gain weight or it's the problem, right? Then why would you want to be, you're not going to want to sit there and enjoy it, be present with it and 
taste. It's like this, if this, if this is the reason we're struggling, then why on earth would you want to be present with it? It doesn't make logical sense to your brain. So of course it's going to be checked out and disconnected because it doesn't see value there. It sees problems there. So it would prefer to just be numb versus sit there and beat yourself up the whole time for eating when you should be not be potentially not be eating at all. Because if I'm trying to lose weight, why am I putting food in my body? This body's already too full, right? Those are kind of some of the dialogues that run. And the other thing is, the, the eating experience is a form of self-care and self-nurture. It doesn't matter what the food is, just taking that time and carving out time to actually sit and eat and relax and enjoy. Um, and most people in this culture have not been taught that that's valuable. We've been taught, put the healthiest, nutritious food in your body. Who cares about the eating experience? Who cares if you like it? Who cares if you get joy or pleasure from it? Just put, you are what you eat. So so just put really high quality food in your body and forget the rest. Like that's kind of the message that we're getting in this society and it's crazy. Like that's not, I don't believe we are what we eat. I don't believe food is fuel. I mean, I think it's so much more complicated than that because we're humans first, everything else is second. So you take an environment that's really unhealthy internally and you put really healthy food in, doesn't matter. The, what's going to happen inside is not going to be at its highest level versus if you take someone that took the time to create a really healthy internal environment and then put junk food in and it can handle it, right? It can handle the toxins. It can handle the lack of nutrition. It can handle it because it's a very thriving, healthy world inside of there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So and we so have to think human first. Okay. Like we're humans before we're, nutrition machines or whatever you want to call it, what, what they're calling that, right? Um, so that's why I say what you eat matters, especially in the beginning, way less than who you are while you eat, why you're eating, how you're eating. Those things are so much more valuable because I guess another example is, let's say someone has experienced like 50 traumatic events, right? And then, so that they're just like running on empty and then like they drop the the jar of whatever and it splatters all over the floor and they're just like running and then it's like meltdown right i can't even handle <laughs> this i can't believe i broke this i'm i'm a horrible person everything goes wrong like that that they're at the tipping point of being able to handle anything and then you take someone that is really thriving they don't really have a lot going on they're not emotionally overwhelmed they're not drained they drop the jar it's like oh pff, drop the jar silly me no big deal right yeah. <laughs> like that's what I mean about like the environment inside dictates what is going to occur. So you put low quality food, high quality food, whatever, but what's the environment you're putting it into? Um, and we got to start there, but that means we have to remove all the judgment, the pressure, the shame, the rules, all of that has to go out the window. And how do you do that? <laughs> so what I did, and this is the way my brain works as I would just, challenge it with logic. So when my brain would say, you're not supposed to be eating that or it's too many calories or it'd start, I was like a calorie counting machine. So I would just constantly calculate, like I couldn't help it. It was just how I was wired due to the dieting. And so then I would, st I'd be like, stop it. First of all, like, you know, you can count on, you know, both your hands, how many people, you know, that eat like total crap and don't exercise and are thin. So like clearly there's more than just what you're looking at right now. The other thing is you've dieted perfectly and gained weight, which goes against everything they say. So like 
maybe this isn't true. Like I was just challenged every single time. Like, like you shouldn't be doing this, but why? Like, why shouldn't I be doing this? What evidence do I have that shows that this is true? And I never could really find any, right? You're always like, well, there's this loophole, this thing. They said this good. They said it's bad. I know this person that does this and that, like I could just go for, you know, a long time disproving all these things that I was being taught and that I had just sort of running as a tape in my head. Okay. Like be smarter, right? Yeah. Why do I believe this? That was a question <laughs> I asked myself. Why do I believe this? Who told me this? How do they know that? Are they in my body? <laughs> like, and I would just do that until I disproved it enough that it just didn't make sense to even show up. Okay. I think a good yeah. question is who created the rule? Right? Because who created the rule going beyond your parents who maybe applied the rule, <laughs> but who created the rule was an industry that profits off you believing that rule. Yeah. So that's what I would challenge back. Why do I believe that? Does that seem doable? Like, do you think that would work? I'm going to try it. Yeah. Just start challenging them. Yeah. Or you can write them all down. Uh huh. Just sit there and challenge them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like, what do I believe about food? And just like laundry list it and be like, how do I know that's true? Who came up with that rule? Is this 100% universally true across the board for every single person? Like people always told me when you get older, you get, you gain weight. Like, I know people that get older and don't gain weight. Why can't I be that person? <laughs> right? What's, it's not a hard rule. I was even talking to a therapist and she was, and going back to the sex example, she told me, um, as you get older, your sex drive goes, gets lower. Not for everybody. Why yeah. is that the rule? I don't like that rule. <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, I just don't accept those things. There's always people that don't line up with that rule. So be that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. So that's kind of step one is just going through and challenging all those beliefs because you, you didn't come up with them. They are not intuitive beliefs to you, right? We have intuitive beliefs. Like I believe I'm meant to be an astronaut, right? If that's what you feel passionate about, like that's, you don't know where that's coming from. That's just inside of you. I intuitive, intuitively feel drawn to this person. I intuitively feel like this is what I want to do with my time. I intuitively want to be a mom. Like those are intuitive thoughts coming just from you. But all these are not intuitive thoughts. These are, these are learned. Yeah. Which means they can be unlearned. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to be yours. You don't have to own them. Yeah. Um, I was quarantined for 30 days. So I ended up getting COVID and like, then I was quarantined to my small room for two weeks. And then my son got quarantined because he was exposed to me. So I didn't do any exercising. And so I'm getting back into it. And you know how your body feels when you're nine months pregnant from carrying all that weight in your back? That's what I feel like. And I'm like, wow, I have got to change my ways now. Because, um, because my back hurt, my knees hurt. Um, yeah, I had been too relaxed for 30 days. And then when I tried to get back to doing things, I was just like over 
exerted after and, five minutes. I mean, at the same time, like you did exactly what your body needed you to do, right? I mean, or, or at least maybe not your body, but what you were required to do. <laughs> and your body might have enjoyed some of that relaxation too, as long as there wasn't guilt about the fact that you were resting. Um, kind of like a mini vacay, right? Yes. <laughs> maybe not the one you would have selected, but um, there, like you could definitely spin that in a positive light as like, oh, what a nice time for me just to relax and be um, with my body. That's if you stayed in your body, which most people don't in those situations, they come out of the body, right? So I'll say that. And the other thing is, I wouldn't look at it as like, man, I've got to do something because I feel like that's a little harsh. Like, I don't think your body would communicate to you in that way. Like, hey, sister, you better knock it off, and get to work. Like, I don't think that's how it would I don't think that's the message it's trying to send. Um, if anything, it might be like, hey, just a reminder, we need like this, this, and this to feel better. Like nothing harsh, just like, hey, you know, a little stretching would go a long way <laughs> for us inside of here. Um, you know, we'd appreciate it. And it, it, it's probably more subtle like that. Like it doesn't need a lot. Uh, it's just like, hey, we feel better when. Like I feel better when I wake up and do yoga versus if I don't do yoga. But some mornings when I wake up, I'm more tired and I'm very clear in those moments that I would rather sleep a little more and skip my yoga practice. There's no shame or judgment about that, right? That doesn't eliminate the fact that I always feel better when I start with yoga. That doesn't make that less true. But in that moment, in that day, in that instance, that's what felt right to me. And it is no big deal. Like there needs to be a lot of grace given with like, okay, Thank you for the information. I know, it's no different with food. Let's just say you react to dairy. It's like, okay, thank you for the information. I will, in general, eat less dairy. And there might be times when I eat tubs of ice cream, like, and we'll all be okay, right? So it's like, it's just giving you a little bit of information and you don't have to go extreme with it. You don't have to go crazy with it. It's definitely not looking for a black or white type of response. It's just like, here's a little feedback file it away, right? Just remember it. The next time you're like, hmm, what should I do with my time? Like your body's like, well, remember, we really like when you move a little bit, we feel better. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Thanks for the feedback. Okay. <laughs> Listen to my body more. Well, that is the lesson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me put it this way. If you want the most effective weight loss plan, that you could possibly buy that would tell you step-by-step step every single thing that you specifically need to do for your specific body, that's what it is. It's your body telling you what to do step-by-step. Step. There's no way around it. You could hire the, the best experts in the world and they can give you systems for you to follow and you could hope that it just like it accidentally lined up with what your body wanted um, and potentially it does line up on certain things but it's never going to be as effective as the one that comes from you. And that's why all the work I do with my clients, I never prescribe things really. I'm always just getting them. The only thing I'm prescribing is for them to get deeper inside of their own body so that their body can give them the plan. You'll never hear me like say like eat this way or move this way or like, how can I, how can I do that? That would be pretty arrogant of me to assume that I knew what was best for your body. But what I can do is help you understand your own body communication make that communication stronger so that you know what to do every step of the way, but it's got to come from you. 
Nice. I'm trying to learn how to listen to my body and um, I'm getting negative feedback. And so I'm trying to figure out where is that coming from? Negative feedback, meaning what? Like negative feedback from my body. Like um, you need to do this or you're overweight. You need to learn how to eat better. You uh, need I don't think that's your body. I think that's your brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, like I said, your body doesn't keep the brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's your brain. And, and, and I'm using these terms very sort of, it's not, it's not that whole, it's not the whole truth, but it's the easiest way to understand it. Like you have your body, which communicates through like symptoms um, and like intuitive types of feelings and things like that. Like, I don't know why, but I feel guided too, right? That's how the body communicates. It's very loving. It's very nurturing. It's very like kind and soft and gentle, the way that your friend would talk to you, your best friend, your lover, whatever. That's how the body communicates. It does, and even symptoms can be extreme. Don't get me wrong. You might, you might eat something and be on the toilet all day. Like it could be an extreme conversation <laughs> because it's, telling you like that is not going to work for me but in terms of like the words it does not communicate in that way that's 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 your own dialogue yeah that's your interpretation of your body's messaging most likely yeah. like your body might be sending a signal of i'd like some more movement right in whatever way it's it's coming up and then your brain's like intercepting it and being like oh don't worry i'll tell her i got it i got this and then it's like hey lazy <laughs> get your butt up and exercise <laughs> I feel like it's like taking it and it's interpreting it and then delivering it in a harsh way because the belief is in our culture that if you like beat someone up they'll be motivated right like if you beat them down if you tell them all the reasons they should do it and tell them all the reasons why they're a failure if they don't then they'll be motivated out of that place of like self-hate <laughs> to like do something it's not necessarily untrue it does happen but that's, that's what's happening there. It's being intercepted <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go off of that. Yeah. I like the thing with the housekeepers, the ones who told themselves they weren't, you know, whatever they told themselves. And then they were exercising every day. Yeah. And then, um, so I have a friend, she, she's always telling herself, I can't lose weight or I can't gain weight. And I'm always telling myself, I can't lose weight. And I was like, this is exactly what she's saying. Like, we've got to stop saying this to ourselves. And so, like, here I am still saying these things to myself. And so I think what I'm going to try to do is try to replace, find something that um, resonates with me that I, every time I say that to myself, I can switch it to something else. I like the, I like statements that are um, affirmations that are in motion. Right. Because I did have a client, for example, who she's like, I am thin. I am thin. She would just say it. And like, she believed it and it worked for her. It's a very small percentage of people that that would work for. Because most likely if you say that, you're like, the hell I am. Right. And then that's not going to work. So I like motion, right? Like I'm moving towards or every day I'm lightening up each and every day. Um, I have a perfectly built weight loss system already inside of me. And if that's believable, I think that that is the truth for every single person. Um, I am, I know I have all the tools I need to release the weight or I'm doing enough is a really, really good one. Like I'm doing enough. The, the, the thing I want people to understand when they're not losing weight, it's, it's never a case of I'm not doing enough. Like it's not a doing problem. Um, it's not a behavioral 
change type of situation here. Like it's a being problem. Like you said, if you tell yourself every day, I'm overweight, it's hard for me to lose weight. Uh, you know, all that is you're, you're giving the messages to the body, right? So it's very difficult to just stop them or to just replace them with the opposite. But you can start to say things like uh, every, like each and every day I'm lightening up or I'm releasing layers of, of suppressed stuff like uh whatever like any I, whatever you need to, that you can believe um the truth is nobody's good or bad at losing weight there is no um like gene that makes you good or bad at losing weight there's a whole complicated mess of stuff that goes into it um but i guess if you were to boil it down it would be that that core belief and the why because if you talk to someone who's never had a weight problem and you ask them, why are you thin? They're going to say something like, I have fast metabolism or I have good genes. Most likely, right? Yeah. And that's just because they don't know. They don't know why they're thin. And unfortunately, most of those people are the ones in the wellness industry teaching other people how to lose weight, which is a bummer. Because they don't actually know why they're thin. <laughs> so, so, I don't know how you teach others. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. But... <laughs> The, um, the truth is that we don't know if it's, we don't, well, first of all, we don't know if it's because of their genes and metabolism, because we can't really prove those things. Um, they did, they've done twin studies where it's identical twins. Um, the one that I read was they took identical twins and they put one on a diet and one not on a diet and the one on a diet gained weight, wow. not during the diet, but after, obviously during the diet, no problem as always. But after the diet, she had a weight problem. Those are identical twins. Those are identical genes, identical metabolism, identical everything. So, I mean, we do know that that's clearly not the case, but we can't really prove one way or the other. Um, so it's a, it's a bogus excuse, but they just don't know why. But if we look at what's going on and the way they show up, something as simple as somebody who's never had a weight problem looks at a plate of spaghetti. It's just a plate of spaghetti. It's like, oh, I'm hungry or I'm not hungry. No big deal. I want to eat it. I don't want to eat it. You take someone that has been trying not to eat carbs for five years and you show them a plate of spaghetti, like what happens inside of the body is like, I mean, if we can measure it, it would be like off the charts. You would have all these different hormones being secreted. You'd have an emotional whirlwind of things. You would have judgment. You would have like thoughts would be created, like just a whirlwind of stuff. And that's yeah. just a plate of spaghetti. Right. Like, so you're, you're right. It's, it's, we really have to start to look at the stories we're telling ourselves. And then it's like, why do I have this story? And the one most important story being, I don't lose weight easily, or I gain weight easily, whatever way you want to say it. Like, what is that? Where's that story coming from based off of what? Yeah, spaghetti is my son's favorite, and I know that when I make it, I'm like, oh, you're never going to get rid of this, and all of this stuff. It's like... That's, so that's an example that I used that one. I used it because I've read some studies, and they tend to use spaghetti. But wow. um, yeah, it, it really is... Like, why? Why do we have that story? Who taught us that story? Epigenetics has already come in and showed us that genes are pretty much irrelevant for our results and our experience you can change any of them so that's not even a rule we can use anymore that it's a genetic thing your shape is but not your inability to lose weight 
your body fat. I mean, some people carry more body fat than others. That's genetic, I guess you could say. But that's not a struggle, right? The struggle is not ge genetically predisposed for you or anybody. Nobody is pre genetically predisposed to struggle with weight. That's not a thing. That's taught. Yeah. I was looking at my old soccer pictures last night, and I know I so I ran every morning and I did all this exercise and playing soccer. You just sweat a lot, and um, I looked at these pictures and I was like, "You're still huge, even when you do all that. You're still huge." And it's like, "Okay, stop." <laughs> huge based on what? Next to someone else, maybe because you're comparing a body to another body, which is. Yeah, that's that's your frame is your frame. Who cares? Right? The, 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 the lie you've been sold is that you'll somehow be happier if you had a different one. And that's a, removing the struggle with weight, right? Because let's just because that's a whole different story. Let's say you didn't you didn't care about like you weren't worried about gaining weight or anything. You weren't worried about food. You weren't worried about all of that. You just looked at your body and looked at someone else's body and thought, I would be happier if I had that frame so I could wear those clothes. Or I'd be happier if I had that hair or those eyes. Like that's what we're being taught so that we buy stuff. Yeah. There'd be no other. So if you're healthy, you feel healthy, you go to the doctor, all your numbers are good. Even they might say your weight's not, but F them because they don't know what they're talking about. But all the other numbers are good. Okay, and you feel really healthy, you love or and enjoying food, you love or enjoying exercise, you're not struggling with your body. What's wrong with that picture? Who cares what the frame is? The problem is not what you physically look like, it's your uh, meaning of all of it, right? In our culture, we've applied meaning to a larger body. It's bad, it's unhealthy, it's, it's not desired. That's not your meaning, that's someone else's. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I know when I was 12 or 13, um, my mom, she said, because one of the questions in your book is like, when did you first equate like weight with, or food with weight and things like that? Um, and I can remember my mom saying, well, you need to stop eating so much because women aren't this big. Women aren't this tall. Women aren't this wide. And women don't have feet this big. And I was like, that kind of stuck with me like a long time. <laughs> so now I feel like huge around people. And I just took my son to the pediatrician and they said, um, well, you're always going to be the tallest guy in your class. And so I was just like, yeah, that's our genes. <laughs> and uh, I just tried to begin to accept the fact that we do have a larger frame. And, um, you know, the main thing is with me is <clears throat> why I need your help is I don't want to pass anything on to my son. Like, I, I don't want him, like... <laughs> so much around my son so i get it yeah You're not alone in that i mean there's you want to stop the cycle right the 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 passing on of these stories you know and unfortunately it's there's there's so much influence to to them outside of our home like even if you didn't have any of this stuff with food weight nothing 
he's still going to hear it all out there, right? He's still going to hear food equals weight gain and there's good food and bad. Even my son, who's also five, has said things like that. Like, oh, you're, that's unhealthy. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who told you that? We don't talk about healthy, unhealthy in here. It's all just food, right? <laughs> Some food, if you eat too much of it, gives you tummy aches. You know, too much sugar gives you tummy ache. Like, like, but there's no good or bad or healthy, unhealthy. It's all just food. But like, he's hearing that outside of my home. But the best I can do is in this world, in this home, there's none of that going on. And I know that that's a big motivator for a lot of parents. It's like, I want to at least create a space so that they might hear all that stuff out there, but it's not reinforced in here. Yeah. And as much as we would love to believe that as long as we don't say it, it's not reinforced. It's not the way it works because it's an energetic thing. They feel it. Um, you know, if you are checked out when you're eating, if you pause before you eat it, if you eat a different dinner than your family, that's all noticed, right? Like there's stuff going on there. If you avoid things or you wear different clothes or whatever, like all of it is perceived by our children. Um, and so it does actually have to be a process internally where you don't have that stuff going on anymore. And he sees that. Um, not that you're going to create a problem with your child automatically. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I get that motivation of, I want this home to be a place where that's not reinforced. That we love our bodies no matter what. We love all size bodies. No body has any meaning. There's no better or, or worse body. They're all just bodies. And they're all different bodies. You know, Rome has uh, someone that, a child that he knows that is a lot larger than the other children. And he said something, I can't remember the exact word, but something like, she, um, she has a big tummy, she must eat a lot. You know, and it's like, that's, that's not something I've ever said, right? So that's something he's picking up, I don't know where, and just reminding like, no, that, that is potentially not happening at all. She might not be eating too much food at all. That might just be her body. You know, and explaining those things is going to be really important as our children grow up in this world that's obsessed with people's bodies, to be frank. We are. Like, we're all obsessed, not us, but <laughs> the world <laughs> is obsessed with people's bodies. Like, it's nobody's business, but they've made it their business, and they've created a lot of meaning out of it. Oh, this body, person's body looks like this. This means that. With zero understanding of what's really happening. that is at least what you're starting to do in those doctor appointments, right? Like, this is our frame. There's nothing wrong with our frame. Yeah, but I, I just don't want him to think, I don't want to be the one saying all these negative things to myself, like um, the height or width or weight is too much or just because it's more than certain percentage of the rest of the world you know that's I mean? what i would add that's the step you're gonna have to say they just don't that's what they were taught to believe they were <laughs> taught to believe that this equation is important and we don't believe that here okay it's just not valid like i don't you are your worth has nothing to do with with what's written on a piece of paper or what a scale says or what the doctor says your worth does not come from any of that for you, as a woman, being told that woman means X, Y, and Z, which you were not, I mean, it, that of course that message stuck with you because you you received a, you received a definition. It was an elimination of things that created a definition, a definition of what women are not. Maybe not necessarily what women are, <laughs> but what they are not. And and so when you check all those boxes, the story is I'm not 
feminine or I'm not a woman or whatever the message is that you interpreted as a child. Challenge that story. Would you tell your kid that if you had a daughter? Never. Never. I mean, would you even believe that? No, not as an adult, but as a child, I so I believed it for a long time. I mean, oh, I always felt man. I actually always felt manly around the guys because I'm practically as tall as the guys. You know what I mean? So I felt manly. You were told what a woman was <laughs> or was not. Yeah. How could you not feel manly? You were by default put in the category of man. Yeah. I mean, how else can you interpret that? But what I meant was, if your daughter was your size that you were when you were a child, would you look at her and believe you're too big, you're too tall, right? No. Of course not. Yeah. You're no different. You're just having, you're going to have to now parent yourself. No. So that little girl exists inside of you who sat there in front of the person she believed more than anyone in the world, her own mother because that's just that happens when we're children. Our parents are our biggest authorities. We believe them without question at that age, especially under the age of seven, when we really don't have the ability to, to validate something as true or false. We just take it all in. So as a child, this authority figure, the most important authority figure in your entire life gave you a definition. You're not gonna argue with it. You can't, you don't have the tools to. So you take it in. So now your job as an adult is to be that parent as if you were parenting your daughter, but you're going to put you as your daughter in front of I you. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, who told you that? Like, <laughs> that's not right. That is not accurate at all. Let me tell you what makes a woman a woman, and then whatever you believe that is. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's going to be huge for you to connect to, um, you know, when we talk about connecting to the body, we need you to connect to your feminine body you as a woman, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so much of the weight loss industry, if not all of it, is masculine oriented. So much of our culture is masculine oriented, obviously. But the approach to the weight loss that I teach and that I see work and that I live by is a feminine approach. It's a soft approach. It's a loving approach. It's a nurturing approach. These are all feminine qualities. You're showing them when you, as you parent your son. You can't not. Right? That's where your feminine's coming out just effortlessly. Use that. Like the way you show up with him is the way you show up with you and your food and your weight. That soft, embracing, loving, connected woman. And every time we hear these different things from the weight loss industry, just label it. Like that's a masculine approach. I don't need it. I got enough masculine stuff going on in here. I don't I need that to get out. <laughs> I don't want it. Like if it, if it emphasizes masculine energy, it needs to go. Because that's been your imbalance. Not just you, by the way. That's just pretty much every woman I meet. Maybe not your exact story, but they are too much in the masculine because that's how we're taught to do everything. To be successful, to lose weight, to make money to climb up the career ladder, it's to be in your masculine. So we're imbalanced usually for the most part as collectively as women. So that is gonna be a huge shift. And the way that I do it, 
I'm working on different things than this, but when I'm working with my little girl, um, I picture her, you know, so one of the things my therapist asked me is like, when you feel stress or tension, where do you feel it? And I always feel it in my gut. So I feel like that's where my little girl is hanging out. Like, and she's built, I, I imagine that she's built her, a little prison for herself in there where she feels safe because she's locked up, right? And she can't be exposed to the elements. Um, and she's locked herself in that dungeon with a whole bunch of shitty stories, right? And she's just sitting in there playing them over and over again, feeling really unsafe, really unsupported, not, tr not able to trust, and really betrayed by the authorities in her life, still believing them, by the way, and also feeling betrayed by them. And so I picture her there, like, so wherever you feel like stress and tension, I sort of picture that's where she's living. You know, and then I just kind of like coax her out. Like, just let's get out of there. And, and no, did, did you see the movie um, Inside Out? No. Oh my God, you have to watch that movie. It's so freaking good. Um, so it's, it's the one where the, uh, you, the whole movie is the emotions in a little girl's head and there's, they're behind her eyes, right? So you have joy and uh, sadness and fear and disgust and anger. And they're all, and they're like, there's like a captain wheel, like right behind our eyes. And then it's like, so they just trade off. So like if she's feeling sad, sadness has the wheel. And if she's feeling joyful, then joyful has the wheel, right? So I kind of like, I'm like, I tell this little girl, like, get up there with your friends. Like there's some nice people up there. Even, even fear can be nice. Um, but like you can be surrounded by these people, emotions, whatever. And you can get behind my eyes where you can see the world. You can see there's beauty. You can see that it's safe. You can see there's more going on than your little dark little dungeon that you've built around yourself. Um, and I just kind of talked to her. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds weird, but that's just what I came to me during a meditation. So that's what I do. You can also write, you know, a letter to her um, as her new authority figure in her life. Right? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and what was the name of the movie again? Inside Out. Inside Out. I'm definitely a cartoon movie um, that like pretty much every therapist uses when they're working with kids now. They have all the little characters of the different emotions and yeah, it's just a right. brilliant movie. I absolutely love it and definitely have your son watch it. Okay. Learn how to manage them. Because the, the main lesson in the movie is like when the little girl shut down, it's because sadness left because no, everybody hated sadness because she was depressing. They're like, get out of here, right? Like, we don't want you ever driving the wheel, right? Like, get out of here. So anyway, so she feels sad. The sadness feels sad. And she's like, I'm useless, right? Like, I'm a useless emotion. And then what you find out is that sadness, when it finally comes back, the girl, instead of being numb and angry all the time, she just starts crying. And then her parents finally know something's wrong and are able to help her. But when she was just shut down and she was just yelling at them all the time, they didn't know any, like they didn't know what to do. And they were yelling back at her because they're like, you're misbehaving. But as soon as she sadness came in and she just started crying and crying, they just embraced her and were like, do you know what I mean? So it's like, it showed how important sadness was and how different emotions are so important. So it's a brilliant movie for children and adults. I highly recommend that one. And I highly recommend I Feel Pretty by, um, not by, but with Amy Schumer. Did you see that one? No. Okay, so she uh, bonks her head and when she wakes up, she sees herself as like thin and beautiful. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, but she didn't actually change but she sees herself differently so the whole movie she's like all of a sudden she's confident she's going after the job she's going after the guy she likes like she's unstoppable because she perceives herself as thin and beautiful and then she finds out that nothing changed and then she's like oh my god like this is horrible like I put myself out there looking like this and then um and then of course the lesson being like you were always that person there's no difference just because you viewed yourself differently, you're still the same person. You still have the confidence. You still had people, that guy still liked you, right? At that weight that you didn't realize you were. Um, so it's a really cool lesson. And of course, Amy Schumer is hilarious. So that helps. <laughs> so I always recommend Inside Out, um, I Feel Pretty. And the last one is documentary. It's called Misrepresentation, like M-I-S-S. Um, so Misrepresentation, that's about how um, women are objectified and how that's showing up especially with weight and appearance and how we've been taught that our appearance is the most important thing that we have to offer and how that's impacting our growth as as women um so it's a really really good and well done documentary nice thank you I'll check yeah. those out. these clothes in my size i hear a lot right so instead of being mad at yourself for not fitting in, be mad at the clothing makers. Like, <laughs> hey, assholes, why don't you make some freaking cute clothes in more sizes? Like, it's, it's by design that that's turned and directed at you. They do that on purpose because they don't want to be held responsible for that. Like, so all of that, those emotions that you're directing at yourself need to be directed at the industry that's profiting off of these thoughts and feelings, right? That's where my anger is. I'm in, infuriated with this industry. Like, get mad at it. Mm -hmm. How dare you teach people this stuff? How dare you prescribe these things knowing, and they know, that the, the probability that somebody will end up with more weight gain and disordered eating is like not off the charts. Like, all the studies are out there. They all show that. So, and they don't care. That's who you'd be angry with. Yeah, I read that 90% of people who lose weight on a diet gain it all back. Yeah. So I'm like, really? Well, I'm, I don't want to diet anymore. That's um, what I'm saying. It's, true. it's not a you problem. That is not a you problem. That is a them problem. And they work really hard to make you believe that it's a you problem. Because <laughs> they can't make any money if, they, if it's a them problem. Yeah. Overeaters Anonymous, I did um, in my doctorate, I did a program evaluation on Overeaters Anonymous it's 70, it's, the relapse rate is 78%. What? How is that valuable? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like, this is a program that is out there for people who overeat, and it has a 78% relapse rate. If my program had a 78% relapse rate, I would not be selling it. I would be fixing it. <laughs> right? I wouldn't be out there like, this is the thing, everybody. I mean, there's like an 80% chance it won't work but there's a 20% chance it might work. So let's go ahead and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> no other industry works that way, by the way. In any other industry, if you're like, like I think about, cause my, my husband, he installs septic tanks. So what if you were like, there's an 80% chance your septic tank will fail and you will have literally shit all in your backyard. <laughs> but that'll be 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would do it. That's insane. But in the weight loss industry, eh, 
it's even worse. It's like, it's actually, I've seen studies that say 95% ineffective or you'll gain the weight back 98%. You'll gain the weight back. Um, the only percentage the only people who will lose weight and on a diet and not gain it back are the ones that either showed up with no emotion around it. And I've had these people when I was a personal trainer, they'd come to me and hire me to help them lose weight. And they'd be like, I don't know. I just feel like I've just been kind of sluggish and maybe not eating so good. So just like, tell me what to do. Like, there's just no emotion about it. Right. It's just like, I don't know. Sounded fun. Like people will be like, I don't know. Keto sounds fun. Those people can be successful because there's, n there's no, nothing charged around it. It's just very matter of fact. Hmm. And what percentage of the population do you think that is? Teeny tiny. Yeah. Tiny. <laughs> if you're showing up to your weight loss program charged with emotion, the likelihood that that will work long term, I mean, I should actually do a study on that because that would be an interesting stat. I think that's step one for you, though. I, I tend to start people on the food stuff, but. Um, I think your first step is this. And I think as you work through that, you will start to show up more mindfully with food automatically and allow that to be a self-care and self-love practice where you really enjoy it because it's not something that you ever got to do before. Like if someone's just throwing a bucket of chicken in front of you and is like, here you go, like there's no care or love or attention put into preparing that meal, eating that meal. There's no sitting down and enjoyment, talking about your day, like all of that's not there. So you haven't had the opportunity to even experience that in your, as a child. So it's that, that's just a matter of not knowing. So you, I think as you heal this stuff, you'll just think that's an exciting way to keep testing, right? Just like, ooh, that would be fun. Like what, what if like on Fridays, like we all cook as a family and we set the table together. Like I think you'll find some fun with it once you sort of work through the other stuff. Yeah. I love prepping and preparing and feeding myself, like just as much as other people. I don't care, I cook for just myself all the time. And I love it. I get a glass of wine, I start cooking my food, I listen to a podcast sometimes, I got my recipe. You know, and I just make it, it's, it's a whole experience, the preparing of it, the sitting down, the eating of it, like, even if it's just for me. Nice. So that's, I think that will come naturally. And then the movement too is, is you know, it's not a priority in my opinion. Um, I know your body's physically talking to you, but you just do a few stretches every day and you'll be fine. Like, I don't think the exercise is the main place to focus. Um, I do own a yoga studio. If you want to try some online yoga, we have incredible teachers. Um, that might be a good starting place for you just to get some really gentle and feminine kinds of movement in. It's going to be really important that the movement you choose is feminine based, which means not high intensity, not no pain, no gain, right? All about connecting to the body. Okay. Can you send me the link for the yeah. Okay, thank you. I'll send you that. We have a, a two, you can do two weeks for $22 to try out all these different classes. Nice. Yeah. And so I think that might be, well, I always recommend yoga because it's, it's really the only feminine approach to movement. Now, dance, I guess, would be too. Dance and yoga are kind of the two. Walking can be if you're not power walking, like if you're actually just leisurely enjoying and if you can stay in your body and walk and enjoy. 
walking. Yeah. So you would never guess the, my favorite movement. I don't, I don't have any experience with yoga, but um, you can never guess my favorite movement right now. And it's so masculine. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I could guess. It's probably like boot camp or something <laughs> or, bo- or kickboxing or it's boxing. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh. boxing. Of course it is. You feel okay. Well, I'm, I don't want to identify your feelings. I have a hunch that the little girl feels pretty powerless. So boxing natural place to go (laughs) not what you need you don't need more fighting no you need more surrendering (laughs) (laughs) and and in trusting right like i don't need to fight i don't need to learn to fight i need to learn to trust that i'm okay yeah and then i can surrender and it won't be harmful to me that I can be protected and provided from whatever you believe in, right? Like to me, it's like layers. Like I feel like my husband is a layer of that protection, right? Um, in my home. Um, but bigger than that, my, my spirit guides, the universe, right? Like it's all there to protect. Okay, cool. Yeah. Feel good? I mean, maybe you don't feel good, but <laughs> feel like you know what to do, I guess, would be the better question. Yeah. Feel clear? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. And you have a motion starting, so I would recommend just now, well, as we end this, just kind of let that, like, keep it going, because it's right there. Um, and, I, and I want it to keep coming out since it's right at the surface. So maybe journal right now or just whatever you need to do, but keep that emotion flowing because we uncovered some things that needs to be released. Okay. So thank you so much for your time today. A pleasure. Thank you for showing up and, and being vulnerable and talking about topics that so many other people can relate to. You are not alone in your experiences, not even close. <laughs> yeah. So I'll keep you posted on how these things work, have work for me and I'll go ahead and I'll journal right now and all that good stuff. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's food and weight breakthrough session. Breakthrough sessions happen live on the Ohm Institute Facebook page every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you'd like to apply to have your weight and food breakthrough session, which is totally free, just head to theominstitute.app slash podcast. That's theominstitute.app forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I'll see you next time.